Hello and welcome to the first episode of Speaking Freely. And as it's the first episode, we probably should explain what we're doing here. Um, we are sending two Yorkshire lads who are going to, uh, yeah, set the record straight and speak freely about uh, a certain few topics that are close to our heart. So the way this is going to go is one of us is going to introduce a topic each week and then we're going to discuss it in detail and uh, set the world to rights. So over to you, my friend. Now then, how's it going? You good? Well, yeah, really well. How are you? Nervous yeah, in the bad. first episode? Um, a little bit, yeah, but you know, I can talk for England, so it's, uh, it's all good. Excellent. And the first topic this week that uh, that you've brought to the table is big tech and the potential constraints and censorship that that leads in society. So why is that, Pirate Tomsky? Such a uh, hot-button topic for you right now. Um, so there's a few things that's been going on recently, mostly in the States, um, around censorship of, of big tech in the world. Um, so things like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, and it's nothing new. It's been going on for a while. Um, so uh, Twitter and YouTube have been taking down and banning people for the last couple of years, um, political statements and things that they don't agree with, philosophies around life they don't agree with. Um, I'm not going to get too much into the politics of it today um, because obviously we don't want to dive down that rabbit hole. But um, politics is heavily influenced um, a lot of the decisions that are being made by big tech companies. Um, yeah. And, and the thing that's concerning me about it at the moment is um, I mean, last week on Twitter, they banned Donald Trump. Now, whatever you think of Donald Trump um, is irrelevant, really. But the fact that a big tech company could effectively censor a sitting president of a, of a, of a country um, is, a, is a big statement. It's a big problem. Um, you know, there are, there are some when that happened, there are some leaders across the world who, who called out how, how powerful some of these big tech companies have become. Boris Johnson called it out. Um, Angela Merkel called it out. The um, president of Mexico, strangely enough, called it out. Yeah. Um, even though I can't remember that guy's name. <laughs> That's why I don't go <laughs> politics too much. Um, but, but some of this stuff's quite interesting because if, if a bunch of um, private citizens who just happened to start a company um, that was very successful can actually kick off, um, kick people off their platforms who have been duly elected by the people of those countries, I think I think it raises um, interesting philosophical debates around the power, the power of these companies. Um, and Facebook um, have, have, have been, they've been a little bit late to the party, but they're not without, um, uh, you know, they are doing it now. They are banning groups. They're kicking people off. Um, they're deleting groups on Facebook if they don't agree with the messages. Um, yep. And again, so there's been this this kind of, this shift in um, online discourse and and the ability for people to share their views and some of it's just been some of the stuff I've seen have been people with hobbies, you know. I mean, literally, there have been people in knitting groups who have been kicked off the platforms because um, they've been, you know, they haven't been following certain political philosophies, which I won't go into about. Yeah. Um, you know, what other people want them to, to do. Um, so it's fascinating. Um, 
And this kind of thing raised questions with me around, um, I mean, the power of big tech, obviously, I mentioned that already, but also the um, the freedom of speech and the yeah. national laws. Do national laws matter in an international for international com- uh, companies? Well, um, I, I guess the the question I have I would have is, you're saying these big tech companies have too much power, but that power is given to them by the the governments. They they are governed the 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 restrictions they have on themselves. Um, I mean, it's within a government's power to essentially ban that company to put restrictions on what they can and can't do. So, doesn't the doesn't it? Can you not flip that around and say why aren't the American government, why aren't the British government, if if they've got such a problem with the way Facebook and Twitter do business, why isn't that being actually addressed rather than just releasing statements saying we don't like it? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, interestingly, I think that's going to change with what happened with Trump. Um, um, so I agree, there are private companies and governments should hold them accountable. Um, again, I guess it depends on on your philosophy of freedom of speech on the internet. And I think I think we're going into, in my mind, we're going into a new era, a new era of privacy and discourse online. Um, and we're moving into a situation where uh, governments are going to start taking action. Um, yeah. Now, in the U, in the US, it was interesting because there's this um, there was a debate a few years ago. I can't remember how long it, it was um, about whether the platforms were responsible for the messages that were posted upon them. So let's say, for example, your Twitter and you yeah. have somebody, um, you have an extremist terrorist group using your platform to share um, messages with each other to plan illegal acts of terrorism, et cetera, whatever, you are, whatever they, they want to do. Um, and in America, they addressed that by introducing a law called Section C30, which basically said, that um, the platforms were not responsible because because they were like um, they're like a, a telephone company. So if yeah. I pick up the phone and ring somebody, BT is not responsible for what I say on the phone. No. And so the American government tried to approach it in the same way and say, look, the platforms aren't responsible for what people say on them. Um, and they put a caveat in Section C30. I can't remember the exact wording of it, but it was basically saying that. Um, if there was extreme speech on the platforms, they could do something about it. They could take action. Okay. It wasn't that exact language, but it was something like it. Um, but the problem with that is the extreme speech was never defined. Yeah. As in, what is extreme speech, or what is you know the speech that they said people could ban uh, people for? So effectively, what happened was um, private companies like Twitter, like Facebook, etc., started making up their own definitions of what extreme speech was. So, and then they started bringing in their own versions of their own ideologies into these platforms and saying, if you argue against our ideologies, we're going to kick you off the platform. And that's kind of where we are today. Um, And in the UK, I suppose it's, um, it's not really, I don't think it's been addressed. I mean, I'm sure there is something in, they probably have talked about it in the Houses of Parliament and all this kind of stuff, but um, I don't think they've actually addressed it properly. In the US, the law has been abused. Um, in the UK, we'll see what happens going forward. Um, well, I mean, I you- the, the saying goes, if the US sneezes, the world gets a cold. If if the US are 
pushing that and they are taking action, then it's inevitable that we will follow suit eventually. Um, the article you just mentioned there, that it, what would interest me in the wording in if if extreme language is used, is it that they can take action or they should take action? Because I've seen a lot of stuff in the recent years calling for Facebook, calling for Twitter to take action against certain people, certain groups who are, you know, spreading this certain ideologies that I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That not that I do or don't agree with it, but that people are calling for them to take action and, and calling them out for being irresponsible for allowing this to take place. Um, and then the flip side is now they have taken action. People are again, upset because how dare they impeach my free speech yeah yeah no it's and yeah the should and the must thing is 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 interesting um i don't have the law in front of me in the us and no okay but um if, if we approach it from a um i mean we could approach it multiple ways so yeah how dare you how dare you there's two sides to the argument isn't there there's like the the freedom um, kind of libertarian argument of, well, free speech is free speech and you should be able to say whatever you want. Yes. And then, then there's the other side of the coin, which is almost totalitarianism, as in we're going to censor what you can and can't say. And at the moment, we're somewhere in between. And we're, we're either, depending on which side of a debate you sit on, they're either too far to the libertarian. If they're yeah. saying, if you have people posting ideas online that other people don't like and they report those posts and whatever... Um, they will say that it's too there's too much liberty on the platforms because people are saying these things I disagree with. And then the people who are being banned or the libertarians who are being kicked off the platforms or whatever, you know, the political, the political philosophy they are, they're saying, well, these guys are totally totalitarian because they're kicking people off the platform that don't agree with a certain viewpoint or or, a view, or who are saying things that the, the viewpoint of the companies don't agree with. So yeah. um, as with anything, it, it's back and forth between the two. It is and when when anything's left up to interpretation like that, you end up with this weird grey area where nobody is happy and nobody agrees with what is is being done. Because I I can completely see the standpoint that freedom of speech, you should be entitled to go on your personal social media account and say what you want. But then on the flip side is if that is causing upset, if that is um leading to pe for people to take action that is illegal, then should you be censored? And do you want that? Do you want people enabling you know, illegal acts or inciting violence, for example, on your platform? Because eventually people are going to come back and look at those posts and look at that person and say, you, you enabled that. You did nothing to prevent it. The, yeah. the book falls with you. I mean, I, yeah, and that's that's true. It's very true. I think the other thing as well is who whose version of the law are you looking at? Because yeah. when when you talk to Twitter, who are based in California, um, do they introduce? Do they implement American law around the world on the platforms? Do they, if they were in Saudi Arabia, would they would they be um, applying U.S. law to the platform in Saudi Arabia? I bet they're not, and I, I guarantee you that they won't be doing it in China. Yeah. Um, you know, because China would just say, well. You're not on our. You're not. You you are not being on the internet in our country if you don't follow our laws. Um, so I think it does depend, and and I, I'm not saying it's an easy solution. Um, I'm not saying there is an easy solution for this, but 
Um, you know, I think the the interpretation is a problem, um, but it's down to the countries that they operate in to, to follow the laws of the countries that they operate within. Um, it, that's my view anyway. You know, I'm quite libertarian, so I am very much on, on the free speech side of things. Um, yeah. And so that has been my, you know, my, my view of the world is that you can't have you can't live in a modern functioning society without freedom of speech of all different sides of the opinion. And yeah. some people argue and say, well, not everybody should be given a voice because they might be saying things like hate speech or incitement to violence or anything like that. The thing for me, I don't like the hate speech laws we have in this country. I think I, I even disagree with those because um, I, I think hate speech, I don't agree with it. It's wrong. And I would argue against it if people were using hate speech. And you do see hate speech online, yeah. even with different laws you know, around this stuff. But the only way you fight speech is with more speech and with better speech. And by yeah. blocking out an entire discourse of people, uh, an entire um, section of people, all you're doing is pushing them into underground platforms. And you're not going to change someone's opinion by saying, you're banned. See ya. Off the platform you go. Yeah. They're not going to they're not, they're not going to wake up the next day and say, oh, well, uh, but Twitter banned me, so I better change my, um, my view of the world. And, oh, I'm going to stop being a racist and stop being hateful towards people and you know, that just doesn't happen. The thing that's interesting, the only thing I would say that from a from a, a speech restriction perspective is inciting directional, direct violence. Yes. So if you are directing someone to go and do physical harm to somebody else, that is like my one limitation on the side of, of speech. And um, I know there's a lot of people who won't agree with that approach, um, but I think it's what helps societies talk about the problems instead of push yeah. them under a you know push them under a carpet and not talk about them again and um... no, i i completely agree i i think the the current culture on the internet around the world and especially in britain is you can't have an opinion people oh you can't if, have the wrong opinion well that is, you call it a wrong opinion but well, yeah. you can't have, do, yeah. you can't have your own views and your own opinions anymore you have to conform and if someone someone says something someone posts something and you disagree with it immediately you are a horrible person and you should be immediately disenfranchised by the world no one should have anything to do with you because you're wrong but the point yeah, is exactly. that's the whole point of opinions is just because one person's right doesn't mean another person's wrong. You can exactly, both be yeah. right in the same argument. And that's been lost. And I don't know when or how, but certainly on the internet, that's been lost. And I think a lot of what we're discussing here comes down to that is me. You look what's happening in America and that's a whole show. That's a whole different kettle of fish, but you've got two very clear sides of the political debate and no one is willing to, for a second look on the other person's views there's no empathy being involved by either side it's purely you're wrong i'm right you're a bad person and both sides feel that way and that yeah. that's that for me is what social media has bred it's bred generations of people now who can't have a discussion or a debate immediately it's straight away to no no, I'm not going to talk about it. I don't even want to hear what you have to say because I don't like it. It's not what I think and I feel, so stop. And I'm going to, you know, it's cancel culture. 
I'm going to shut down everything you're doing because I don't like what you're saying. It, and I, that's why freedom of speech is important because it's important everyone can share their opinion and views. And yes, there's some of them will make you uncomfortable, some of them that will be wrong. But if they're not allowed to discuss them, if society isn't allowed to discuss them, then they're not going to go away. As you say, they're just going to go underground and they're going to discuss them in deeper, darker places that will eventually cause more disturbance than in an open debate where everyone can have a reasonable discussion about it. Yeah, I agree. I think when, yeah, the deeper, darker places that I'm seeing, and it, it happens all over the different political spectrums and it's, it's not a left or a right thing. I mean, it is, but you know, it's not just a left or it's not just a right or whatever thing is it pushes you into an echo chamber. And yeah, the thing that I've seen on, on, on social media where I can just instantly go, I don't like your view block. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to hear from you again. Block. I, uh, you say that on Facebook, remove friend. You know, it is very much, that is a form of miniaturized cancel culture. Yeah. You're pushing all these people away from, from having these discussions and not listening to different viewpoints. And, you know, I kind of, I, I, I don't, I agree with you. I, I, sometimes I don't feel comfortable talking about things and it isn't even just on Twitter or Facebook or any kind of socials. Sometimes when I'm, you know, when we could, when we were allowed to go to the pub, you <laughs> yeah. know, whatever that was like, but you'd have a conversation and you sometimes I'd even feel uneasy having conversations in, in the pub with a bunch of mates about stuff, yeah. because what if somebody overhears behind me and they disagree and, I mean, you always you always had that to a varying degree of, but it was more like if you were attacking somebody or taking the mickey out of somebody directly, then you might end up getting into a, you know, an argument or a scuffle with them or something. But if you were talking about, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a topic that's not too controversial. If you were talking about, well, blue's my favourite colour, yeah, and some guy turns around and said, well, no, that's bullshit. Red's my favourite colour, and before you know it, you're in a fight about something that is, you know, something that should be open and you know, debatable and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's well, a real problem in society, and it's it's Western society. And it is. <sighs> that's that's the perfect example you just said there. If you were in a pub, so the pub becomes Facebook, and you post and say, "Blue's my favourite colour. It's the best colour in the world." And someone comes back to you in the pub and says, well, "No, you you you're completely wrong." red's blatantly the best color in the world and here's why and you two have a bit of an argument with each other over it and he then turns around and says i'm not speaking to you again and walks away then the landlord bars you both for hate speech because you've had an argument oh the landlord favorite color is blue and bans the other guy exactly which is um, just as bad as banning both of you it is yeah <laughs> and it's 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 using that power to further your opinion when you know no one's elected Facebook to have that control. No one's elected Twitter to have that control over their lives. They're on there using it as a platform for discussion and unfortunately education in some cases. Um, and, yeah. and Twitter and Facebook controlling the content that's on there and the narrative of what's allowed to be shown leads to the echo chamber. It does. It does. Where only one opinion matters, and that's whoever's controlling the magic button. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it is, and it's it's interesting. I mean, and YouTube's done a similar thing. So I'm not. I'm Google or not. I'm not letting Google off the hook with this crap either, because no. it is they're, they're as bad as anyone else. And 
Um, I'll give you an example of what's been going, what happened, what, what really got my temperatures boiling with this stuff is um, a couple of weeks ago, there was, uh, when, when Trump was kicked off Twitter, and that's kind of what triggered this whole response yeah. in me, it wasn't that I agreed with the guy, because he, he spouts a lot of nonsense on Twitter, and he always has done. Um, and, you know, if anything, if he either stayed off Twitter, he'd probably been re-elected, but that's a whole different, <laughs> that's a whole different conversation, but you know the, the the thing is that he um, they kicked him off the platform, and so what happened was a lot of his supporters, so seventy five million people support him in the US, voted for him. Yeah, they said right, we're going to go to a different social media platform. So they moved over to a to a um, uh, they tried to move to a platform called Parler, which was like an, a a Twitter competition platform. Yep. And there was a lot of stuff in the press about Parler being right wing and hateful speech and all this kind of stuff and. Um, you know, there, there was probably a bit of that on there, um, um, but you know, I've seen I've seen much worse things on big tech yeah, platforms yeah. than I have on small tech platforms. Parler's approach was was more, it was much more libertarian in how they approached free speech. So they basically said, no, we're going to follow the U.S. Constitution. If you're not inciting violence, then you can say what you want, and if if you if if people, you know, you can basically. Um, go through the freedom of expression and all this kind of stuff. And and so a lot of people left Twitter and moved over to Parler. But then the most egregious thing happened within the big tech companies, which is what really got me thinking and scared the living crap out of me, was on the, let's say um, Trump was banned on Thursday. I can't remember exactly the days, but it was in three yeah. days. So the first thing that happened was Trump was kicked off Twitter on like Thursday. So a lot of people who supported him moved over to Parler and said, well, if you're not going to let us speak about things, we're going to go to a different platform, sure. which is there. That's private companies, two private companies, people choosing, you know, capitalism, open markets and all this kind of stuff. People chose Parler over Twitter because they wanted to be able to talk about things. And and to be fair to Parler, a lot of the left wing, non-Trump supporter type people, Democrat supporters in the US could have quite easily moved over to Parler. And, yeah. and carried on those conversations. But then what happened was on the Friday, Apple, Google, both issued Parler with a uh, statement saying, you have 24, hour, 24 hours to bring your moderation policies in line with Twitter, or we're removing you out from the App Store. So they gave wow. them 24 hours to completely redesign the moderation system on a platform that's been running for months without any issues. Um, so that was obviously, um, uh, you know, quite concerning and alerting, but okay, fair enough. It's, it, they're private companies. They can kick people off if they want to, um, you know, kick apps off that they, you know, I would disagree with it. They can't kick them off if they don't agree with them. The, the approach should be, we're kicking off malicious apps that cause harm, 100%. To, you know, and, 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 you know, infect your phone with malware or fraudulent activity, that kind of stuff. Parler wasn't doing any of that. It was just a, a company that a lot of people didn't agree with on the on the other side of the ticket, let's say. Yeah. Um, and so at that point, people were annoyed at Apple. They were annoyed at Google, basically saying, okay, fine. Well, I've already got the app on my phone and you're not going to delete it. So they can't take the app off my phone. I mean, I think you might be able to do it with Apple, but Google can't do it. Um, so that was like, okay, fine, do whatever you want. I, or, or I'll download the, the app as a file and, and you know, sideload it onto my phone, whatever. Yeah. But then what happened on Sunday, and this is the big, massive thing that sent my alarm bells ringing was, um, Parler was hosted on Amazon AWS. 
Yep. And they've been there since day one. Amazon yanked their entire website from there. They, they just they just absolutely nuked it from AWS. Wow. They said, you're breaking terms and conditions of our platform. Um, didn't give them any specifics. Didn't tell them, you know, why they were nuking it. They, they basically gave them, Amazon actually has a 30-day termination period in the contracts. Yeah. Didn't give them 30 days to migrate to another platform. Just nuked it. So Parler went from having a, a couple of million users on Thursday morning. Yeah. To about probably triple that on Friday to being obliterated from the internet by Sunday. Wow. Um, and they basically, they, they, they were taken offline and they moved to that. They, well, they, they're in the middle of moving to another hosting provider, et cetera. But that really set off alarm bells for me because it just shows when all it takes is three big tech companies to get together and yeah. they can just kick your business offline and they can destroy your business from the internet. Now, Parler's suing Amazon. Um, we'll we'll see what happens there. You know, uh, we'll see what happens, especially with the government shift in the US and um, all that kind of stuff. But you know, that's the kind of thing. And it got me thinking about how could you build a truly, how could you build a truly open social media platform that isn't controlled by a tech oligarch type of person who yeah. can't just or shoot you down. Or controlled by one side of the political divide. Whether you yeah, exactly, yeah. whether you agree or disagree with Trump is irrelevant. The point is his his followers are in fact forget about Trump and his followers. Exactly, yeah. Just I'm, at, I'm just I'm just using yeah. that as an example. It is, That's I mean, not, it's the the example. example. It's not the issue here at all. Just taking it back to that app, Parler app of the Parler website eventually. I, I take issue with one private company being told you have to get your regulations in line with your moderating regulations in line with another private company. Cause that's basically saying Twitter's policy is, is what everyone should do. So if they make amendments to their policy, everyone has to jump in line, which is giving Twitter an unfair advantage, effectively a monopoly over the, the legislation in place for other social medias. And I'd argue, look at Snapchat, uh, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, any of the others, do they all have the same policy in line? I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with this as much if they had a if there was a policy in place somewhere that was independently created saying this is what everybody's security Moderate, uh, the word you said, moderation, uh, moderation process. Yeah. This is what the base standard that you need as a terms of service. If that was a thing out there for everyone to see, out there for everyone to develop towards, then that's that's one thing. But being told you've got twenty four hours to come in line with your competitor, or the biggest player in this market, is massively unfair. Well, it's completely it's completely um, monopoly monopolization of the market. It's, yeah. it's anti-competitive. I mean, if Parler don't if Parler don't win this suit against Amazon, um, and Amazon is the the main, you know, I mean, Amazon. I can't remember the terms they use, but they nuked them for for a similar purpose. I can't remember the exact. If, yeah. you, if you want to go, if you just there's some articles that the guy, the CEO of Parler, wrote about you know why they were kicked off the platform and things, and 
what they were told. I mean, Amazon, from the, the last interview I saw the guy talk about was, they basically said, you, you've breached our terms of service, bye. And it was like, they went, well, what's the terms of service that we've breached? And they basically said nothing. It, it was like they were just em- emailing a black hole. And, you know, and I'm sure Amazon have got their side to the story. But yeah. the, fa- the fact they've been able to kick a, an independent private company off the internet um, for whatever reason is worrying. Um, well, and, it is. And you know, the other side is from Parler's perspective, they haven't gone out and advertised to the Trump supporters. They didn't go out there and say, oh, we'll let you do what you want. Come to us. That happened organically. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. I was on Parler. I was on Parler a year ago, um, and be, just because I wanted to see what was going on on other social, because I saw this coming from Twitter, but I never yeah. saw it coming. I never saw I never saw it getting nuked completely from the internet. No. Um, and, and that's it. And they've effectively they've done nothing wrong. They've created a platform to allow people to speak openly and freely, and now they've been punished for it. Well, exactly. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It really is. It's scary, and that's why I wanted to have this discussion about it. Um, you know, and I mean, we're just obviously we're talking about the US, but it does raise questions around. You know, when I went back into work, and I'm not going to talk too much about work, but we, I had a discussion with my colleagues around. Um, well, what do we do about cloud when it comes to our business? Because, and and I actually had a discussion with Microsoft about this directly, saying, yeah. you know, you know, obviously. Microsoft were very, they, I mean, they, they they wouldn't say flat out, well, we wouldn't kick you off for breaching our terms and service, because that's fair enough. If you, yes. if you're hosting, if you're hosting a website on Azure or AWS, that's, um, you know, contains, I don't know, software that helps build nuclear devices or something, then, you know, yeah. you're obviously, you're obviously breaking a lot of laws doing that. Um, so, I did have this conversation with them about it and, you know, they were basically saying, look, if you don't breach our terms of service, we're not going to kick you off. But it does make, for my role, it makes me think, well, if I design a solution to go on a cloud provider, I need to put it in multiple places. Just because in case. any, any one of these companies could just nuke us at once. And then we could be on another one and, you know, fail over and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, no, you've known me for a long time, and I've been a very big cloud advocate for a long time. Yeah, yeah. that's why yeah. it surprises me you not speaking negatively, but speaking so cautiously about the cloud because you are Mr. Cloud. Oh, well, this is scared me such an advocate sideways. This has really scared me sideways. It really has about the stuff that's going on online at the moment. But you're right. It's it, For me, I'm, I want to take it away from both of the sectors we work in, but if we now decided we were going to start a car firm selling cars, we're going yeah. to make sell cars. If we were told out of nowhere, you have to bring your website, your sales process and your prices in line with Ford. Otherwise, we're going to take you off in 24 hours. And then they did. They just shut everything down. And I mean, from what you're saying, Amazon didn't even do that. They just shut them down without any warning, nuked them. Then that's really concerning because you're essentially saying if you're not one of the biggest players in the market and you are challenging them, we can take you offline. So you are right. Do you want to now start pushing things in the cloud or do you need to keep yourself a, a hard backup locally just in case that they decide at the flip of a switch, no, we, we, we disagree with you or we, we're in bed with the big boys. And Yeah. 
I mean, interestingly, just on the back of that, just just on the so Paolo was a direct competitor to Twitter, and Twitter's been losing. You know, I, I read a report um, about three months ago that basically said Twitter was on the verge of going not going under, but it was close to it before Trump came to power. Yes, and then because he used that platform, it amplified it so much to where it is now in the world. You know, I, I don't remember much about Twitter four or five years ago. I'd heard of it. I know there were a few people on there, but it was mostly celebrities follow, following celebrities. It was yeah, all just, you know, playful, mucking around kind of funny stuff. It was never anything serious. But anyway, sorry, just that sidetrack. Um, but um, yeah, Amazon and Twitter have got an exclusive contract with each other as well. So you have to look at the, there you go. the business sides of things and, and that kind of stuff as well. So it's fascinating. I mean, I'm a, I'm, there's a book called um, The Google Archipelago. Um, which is, I don't know if you've heard of a book called The Google Archipelago, but no, um, that's a book uh, written about the, um, I can't remember the guy's name. It's I can never pronounce his surname. Um, uh, just if you, if you, if you look for Google, Google Archipelago, you'll, um, you'll see who it's by. Um, we'll, uh, we'll pop a link in the description. Yeah. But it's basically about what happened to one guy who was living in Soviet Union. And right. he goes through this whole experience of being his neighbors, his neighbors grasped him in to the secret to the Stasi and all this kind of stuff. And he ended up in, in re-education camps and working hard labor and all this kind of stuff. And when he made his way through that, he wrote this book, which, you know, has been attributed to one of the, um, to it's been attributed to helping bring down the USSR in Western culture, because it was sure. so telling what went on in from an internal perspective. But a guy called uh, Michael Richtenwald has written a book called Google Archipelago, which is talking about big tech censorship. And um, I've only just started reading it, but it's it's already quite interesting about where he's talking about where, you know, Google are doing this kind of stuff. Already. They've been doing it for years, but this has just highlighted it. Um, things like when you search for something on the Internet, if you, you know, Google's got its auto autocomplete thing as yes. you start typing. Yeah. If you type something in, in Britain, for example, you'll get a different list of autocompletes than if you're in the US or Canada or or France or there's no... It's more fine-tuned fine than that, mate. Oh, it's well, yeah, I know it is. You, you, <laughs> could, you could type in something and your next-door neighbour type it in and get different responses. Um, it's it's truly fine-tuned, but yes. I was using grandiose <laughs> examples, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I've just started reading this, but you know, it's all, all this stuff's fascinating. And one thing I've just I've started looking at uh, recently is, I mean, I'm I'm still looking at alternative socials because if it was up to me, I, I'd if I I just I personally I find Twitter a, cesp, a cesspit of 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 just stuff on there all the time. It's just there's just so much bad stuff on there on all sides of the aisle and. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, some of it's heavily promoted. And you get that on all socials, so I don't really want to kind of... You do. You, you do. do, but it's like, so for, for Twitter, as a, because we've just mentioned them, I always find them the the best place to find out the worst about yourself or anything you're doing. Because I can, I've promoted stuff in the recent past, yeah. and I can promote it on all the different social platforms and get... Uh, a semi-stable response not really negative vaguely positive or in some cases really positive however you look on Twitter and you would just get people tear you down 
consistently and claim you've ripped someone else off or claim ownership of it themselves or just genuinely hate on it. And yeah. I, I don't get so much negativity from any other social platform other than Twitter. Um, and yeah, I, I do feel like Twitter is used by people to tear down other people. And you yeah. do get it, you do get it on all social platforms, but I find the other platforms a bit more balanced. Well, I think the thing with like Facebook is you kind of need to be within. And I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Facebook, but more for, you know, we can talk about privacy in another condition, uh, another podcast about that <laughs> yeah. stuff, but because that's, that's another six hours of podcasting, but certainly is. Yeah. With, with the thing with, um, um, the thing with Facebook is you either kind of have to be within a community yeah. or, or, you know, you have to be part of a group that brings people together. Whereas Twitter is just follow anyone anonymously, post a lot of nonsense and abuse on their feed. Um, and it's, it feels like it's just like a social point scoring system where I want yeah. to get more likes than you. So I'm going to post something that's going to tear someone down. And so, you know, what I, what I, what I think about Twitter when I open it and when I, have you ever seen that episode of Rick and Morty where the sun comes up and it's just going, ah, <laughs> stop. Have you seen that episode? No, I've not. <laughs> uh, there's this, Rick and Morty go to all these different planets and they think, oh, this planet's perfect. And then the sun comes up and it's just screaming nonstop. <laughs> That's what I feel like when I open Twitter. Yeah. I feel like my phone's just screaming at me with abuse and, and terrible vibes about things. So, um yeah, but I've started looking at um, other platforms. Like, I mean, there's one called Gab. So Gab's an interesting one because Gab is, I mean, the, the big tech companies are really going after Gab at the moment because um, really? they are, they built their own servers. Um, so they, anyway, they can't be can taken just, down. Can I just say, when we just compare it to what we've just been talking about, you can't say the big tech companies are really going after someone if they're still up and working. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> they, okay, so how can I say they're going after it? Maybe... They're starting to take notice. They're starting to take notice because it's a platform they can't just take away immediately. But Gab, Gab was banned. Gab was taken down a couple, um, a couple of years ago, I think. And they basically, so Gab was another startup social, and they yeah. had to rip, they had to rip down all the infrastructure and rebuild it themselves because they just couldn't rely on any other tech companies. So, um, but Gab will be slammed in media and stuff, saying it's you know all these bad things about social media that people don't agree with and, yeah. Um, but Gab's interesting. You can tell it's being hammered by people now because um, it, it, they're, they're having to scale up the servers like mad. And you can tell sometimes you hit it, it's fine. Other times it's really slow. Um, but I just found out <clears throat> about one today that is fascinating. And I don't know how much uh, – we probably don't have time to go into it, but it's a company called PocketNet. Um, it's PocketNet.app. And it's a yeah. it's it's a – completely decentralized social media platform that runs using blockchain technology, which is the really? same thing obviously Bitcoin's built upon, yeah. They use multiple nodes around the world to process posts and copy them decentralized across the whole world. Wow. Um, and I've only just started reading up on it. And it, I mean, it's really slow to get set up on because your information has to be copied across all these different nodes and you know, yeah. like bit, you know, like Bitcoin. Um, they have these, um, they have these nodes that process and and they. Um, so if I was going to pay you in Bitcoin, yeah. I you'd use a transaction hub to pay that would that would add the block onto the chain so it couldn't be mucked around with. 
pocketnet.app uses the same thing. And um, so even people now are going a step further and saying, look, I don't even trust the I don't even trust the internet and the the DNS servers and I'm now yeah. building platforms that don't even you know that sit completely separate from the main internet and um so that's uh, that's some interesting stuff going on at the moment as well so yeah it's, uh, it's really interesting I just signed up for it today um so I don't know how good it's going to be or how bad it's going to be and um so we'll see where it goes but uh yeah that's interesting um but just on the on the resource thing uh, point of view, just some stuff to kind of um, <clears throat> so from a um, there was a conversation that um, I don't know if you know. Do you ever do you ever watch any of the Joe Rogan podcasts? I do. I watch them. I'm not. I don't subscribe, but I, I've watched a few of them. Yeah, there's. Um, well, I mean, he's on he's on Spotify now, so he start. He's I think he's taken down all of his podcasts from YouTube now. Um, right. But there was one. If you if you want to do a search for a podcast on on Spotify, um, there's one Joe Rogan, um, Jack Dorsey, who's the CEO of Twitter, and a guy yeah. called Tim Pool. A guy called Tim Pool, who was Tim Pool's like kind of an activist journalist type person in the US. He was he was one of the first journalists on the ground in Occupy Wall Street in New York. Um, wow. And they have a conversation about censorship, and Tim Pool rips Jack Dorsey to absolute shit on this podcast <laughs> it's it's brilliant it is brilliant and if you want to listen to um like twitter's philosophy around how they treat censorship yeah just watch that podcast because it's fascinating it's like three hours long but i went back i've watched it three times because it was like i was really? like oh I, I missed something i had to go back and watch it again oh, i got check that out um, so yeah it's great but uh yeah it's um interesting times with what's yeah. going on I mean, what you've just said there, I mean, and again, we, we are coming up to time, but just to mention, this is probably a topic to follow up on another time, but um, talk about PocketNet and going for like the blockchain approach and trying to do things separate to big tech and the internet. Have you, I mean, I presume you'll be aware, but uh, Tim Berners-Lee, obviously the inventor of the internet, he's he released a statement recently saying he's working on a, like the internet 2.0 in effect yeah, to try and yeah. exclude this, this big tech, this Google and Facebook monopoly. Um, that was fascinating to me to see exactly what that ends up as, or if, if it's just uh, he's released that more to provoke thought than actually act upon it. But I think it's fascinating. That someone like that is actually calling it out and taking action. Well, I mean, the thing is, it doesn't surprise me at all because Tim Berners-Lee, when he wanted an open free internet where people could communicate, that, that his vision was, you know, he's an old school libertarian type person. He wanted a platform where people could actually not be centralized and controlled by a, a central power of people, which yeah. is what he was kind of fighting against. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to find an article about it because I can't remember what it's called, but it works that that conversation would be more irrelevant when we talk about privacy um because although he's trying to build a decentralized internet i can't find a link i had a link to something the other day about it um anyway it doesn't matter we'll come back onto it on another one but what he's trying to do is he's trying to take so like when you share something on facebook that data goes onto facebook servers and sits there and they can do whatever the heck they want with it sure he's trying to build uh, a system where um you your data is held in a private pod okay so you, 
that's what they're called. They're called pods. Uh, you know, uh, um, so you all your personal information, so everything about you that you have on the internet sits within this pod. Yeah. And then when you want to go on socials or go on something that needs your data, they have to request permission to talk to your pod. And then within your pod, you can say, right, well, for the next 15 minutes, you can see my first name. But yeah. after 15 minutes, I'm yanking access from it. And and so that's that's some of the stuff that he's working on at the moment. I don't know much more about that because uh, I, no. I literally just saw an article about five days about it. Um, but this stuff with big tech is what um, I think has pr- prompted him to go live, to, not yes. to go live, to go public with yeah. some of this stuff. So, yeah, it's interesting. I think um, decentralized networks moving forward, I think um, stuff like, you know, moving data into areas encrypted zones that only you have keys to and that kind of stuff is probably where this is going to go um but that's the topic for another day because that's it uh, certainly is in fact that's that's probably the topic for our next uh our next episode is privacy on the internet and i think interestingly me and you'll fall down slightly different areas on this i think it could okay. be one that uh, divides our opinions but uh that's what it's all about free communication oh, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see where we get to with it i mean it's absolutely so but, on the next one, the next one, I introduce you, and then you you've got to you've got to do the yeah, opening. Yeah, so, I will. Okay. Yeah. 